Hello everybody, I'm back. Um, I'm a bit early this week because, uh, well, I've been hearing things and it's I'm proper annoyed, but um, I've tried to calm down before I started this. Um, and people who know me know that uh, takes a long time there. Um, so, I've talked about good people and good staff that I work for. Um, from PCOs, same as me, up to some of the ADs, most of the ADs to be honest. Um, I've moved up from PCOs and worked the way up. Um, some of them I'm quite proud of, um, I think they know who they are, because um, they always tell us. <laughs> um, some, yeah, uh, I'd just like to congratulate some that uh, one young lady that's uh, having a baby now, and um, congratulations, Charlotte and Liz. Um, hope everything goes good. If you listen to this, if you don't, well, maybe someone will tell you. Um, yeah, proper good, proper proud, and stop getting up them steps, Charlotte. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm afraid I'm going to have to say something because I need to get it off my chest. Um, ah, I don't know how to put this, so, uh, yeah, I've been probably advised not to give names, but um, I'm just sick and tired of hearing about people who, uh, it's like they've got um, an agenda to shut up, like they, a few years ago, any assaults are being shut up. And sometimes the person, people who get assaulted, are being suspended for some reason. Um, yeah, it's just annoying me. Um, and again, but if people who report bullying or people who report any issues, you're not getting listened to. They end up getting, in one case, um, in brackets, failing the probation even though it's like months after um, and then not paying them properly so there's a lot of issues going on there and um, this is my personal opinion but I think certain people higher up um, are trying to make the figures look good and to the detriment of the staff uh, there's a big issue on the newspaper in the papers today about um, the POA, the the other prison officer union, not the one I was in, but the other one, uh, making it publicly known that um, organised crime groups are employing getting people to become prison officers so they can smuggle stuff in, and it's yeah, it's just yeah, and that younger staff with no experience are getting conditioned by by the cons, which brings us back to that addition, why are you getting rid of the old experienced officers and bringing in new ones um, with no experience because the older officers keep uh, discipline and you don't like that because it don't make your figures look good. So, yeah, you need to listen and, and just be aware. Uh, people in charge of the prison, where I used to work, they're not even listening, they're just getting rid of people left, right and centre getting rid of people who've got mental health issues because they've been assaulted and then they're uh, 
saying they're a danger to their colleagues. What? People who've been there years, myself, and I'm getting this feeling now, uh, up to when uh, Martin Jones and Claire left, Every, the mental health issues seem to be ignored. Staff with mental health issues seem to get ignored. And instead of helping them like they used to do, they're getting rid of them. Um, I'm a perfect example. Now, the the issue where hot-headed Mark actually left the prison service and the job that he loved, that's me, I'm talking about me in the third person here. Um, I had a mental health issue after I got assaulted. I got... Um, I got... Um, Diagnosed with PTSD, the previous governors were absolutely brilliant with me. Um, and even when I had my little meltdowns and the staff helped me out, and Jonesy always had a way of finding out everything that was going on. So, he, he called, like I've said in the previous one, he used to come down to reception and just near enough drag me upstairs to the therapist. Um, and that's what help we used to get and other people, not just me, I'm just, I can use myself as an example because that's, it happened to me. But now I'm hearing people who've had mental health issues by being assaulted, obviously they've got to have time off because you have bad, bad times. I mean, I was lucky I had support of my colleagues in, in, um, and I was and lately, brilliant staff in the reception who, who helped me through it and you know and they could tell when I was getting like to the point and uh, they used to rag me out or uh, the managers at the time used to say come in and just say Mark get out I know I've mentioned it before but I'm going to keep mentioning it because that's what you want your team look after each other but I've been the other way around where I've, I've supported people I mean this is how bad it it, it is in the prison. Um, I had this colleague who was really suffering bad. His, his wife had just lost a baby. Um, she was struggling, quite rightly. Um, and he was struggling. It was really, really bad. And he needed to talk to someone about it. So he came to me and we, we could not find anywhere in the prison. There was nowhere in the prison for the staff. Now, again... It might sound like I'm a bitter, but I'm not, because I know prisoners need help. But if a prisoner is suffering from mental health issues like that, he gets put on an act, he gets people come and talk to him, he gets goals in there. You know where I had to go with this, with this colleague of mine? We had to go in the car park so we could get some privacy. How bad is that? How bad is that that a member of staff who's got serious issues and we have to go out to, And then... Certain people in the gatehouse weren't going to let us out. Horrendous. So um, I went on a mission, a, a usual mount mission, and I went and see the, the governor at the time. Again, it was Mr Jones. Um, and we had a chat about it, and he actually gave us a room where the staff could go, and we could like sit together and, and we could, he could discuss anything we wanted. I mean, don't get me wrong, we got a good care team at, at um, HMP Duggate and we had a good trim team. But sometimes people don't, you just want to talk to someone and don't, you know, where it's not going to be official or go down in the book or anything like that. 
But yeah, um, when I left, that room was not even in use. It had been shut down because, in my opinion, it's my opinion only, the two people above at the top of the prison don't give a shit about the staff mental health. As long as it's looking good on the figures that they send off to head office um, and the assaults that get quietened down um, and not get reported and the figures all look good for head office, the two idiots at top are quite happy. Apart from one of them who uses his power over female staff, I mean, this is a prison where we've got VPs and sex offenders in it and somebody at the top is using female officers for his own needs and sending them horrible pictures on the phones, which I've seen, so I've got evidence of it. So God knows what's going on at that jail. Um, it's just horrendous. And again, that's my opinion. If anyone wants to speak to me personally about it, that's not a problem to me. Because if you have to talk to me, you're admitting you're doing it. So, you know, get a grip of yourself. Because um, to me, in my opinion, it's a blatant abuse of power. Um, and if you're using Civvy Street, you get nicked for it. So, yeah, get a grip. Um, chip stick. So, uh, yeah, that's my rant and rave over. I just have to get it off my chest. I do apologise if anyone's offended, but I don't care. Um, the less you care, the better you feel. So, yeah, but I do care. I care about my colleagues and people who, you know... Oh, that carpet must be so pissing high in your office that you sweep everything under it. Um, yeah, that's my opinion and I'm sticking to it and do what you wish. Uh, because, again, you want to do anything about it, you've got to admit you're doing it because I've got evidence. Um, people who were pushed out, they got mental health issues because they were being horrendously bullied, which I witnessed. I picked one young lady up, I was going home, I was driving home and this girl walking up the road crying her eyes out because she'd been bullied that much at work. Um, never got moved from the department, um, went up to see her governor, nothing happened um, and then two months after I, I'm not saying it's down to... It, it, they told her she'd failed the probation because she'd had too much time off. Um, even Oki Elf had said she needed to have to have therapy and have time off to get started. Oh no, we don't want that in our prison. It might go against our figures upstairs. So uh, yeah, she was let go. Well, uh, other people are on that case now, and it's uh, looking like you're balls up again, Dubgate. Not Dubgate. Um, certain people in Dovegate um, and you'll be hearing a lot more from that from different people legal people um, so yeah good luck with that one so uh, yeah I have to get this off my chest because it's doing me head in and I'm retired now I shouldn't have shit like this going on but because I'm there for my colleagues still um, it's got to be said and they can't they're I'm not saying they're scared to say it, but obviously their jobs are on the line because um, certain issues I've had, I've passed, even passed on to head office and they've just been ignored. So, yeah, anything. Um, 
it's the contract coming up by any chance. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good luck. And please, please stay safe. Stay safe, please. Um, I'm just... I'm not even there anymore. I'm worried sick about people. Um, a lot of staff... They're actually leaving and going to another jail now because um, it's just... No. From one of the best jails in Circo, probably, and, and <laughs> that's my opinion again. Anyone from other jails who listens, I'm not having a go. Um, in my opinion, like the team that had everyone's back and we all stuck together, it's just gone to pot. Um, and I'm, I've spoke to experienced staff who were saying the same to me, it's just they don't feel safe anymore. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's wow. I just, I, I can't, I don't want to say no more because if I get to him, I don't, things will come out of my mouth that I don't want to, uh, I'm probably not allowed to say, so I, I won't, um, I feel better now, I've got it off my chest anyway. Uh, and I'm on holiday in nine days, so maybe I'll do a podcast from my balcony in um, Alcudia next week. I don't know, is that a bit too cruel? But um, I, that's uh, the bit off my chest anyway. So um, I'm gonna. I'm. I don't. Jesus. I'm, people who know me can tell I'm wound up now. So uh, I can hear certain people in my in my ears now going, "Shut up, shut up, Mark, calm down." So I'm gonna take the advice you usually give me and have a fuck. <laughs> oh God, it's always a good excuse. So, um, anyway, let's get back to some stories there. So, I'm still on Alphabet 3 at the minute, and uh, I've had, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but I had an horrendous um, issue, incident where a, a close colleague of mine got assaulted, and I got PTSD, and blah, blah, blah. I've told you all about that. Um, and I went on a bit of a rampage then. Um, any trouble, I was purposely getting involved because I thought I had to prove that to everyone that I could still do my job. Stupidly, I know, I know. Um, but then again, I got... I was stupid, I was doing daft things, but the governor at the time, John Hewitson, just pulled me out to one side and gave me a, a proper good talking to about it and... And, you know, he was just like there for me. He was the big number one governor, he didn't, he didn't have to. Because um, normally stuff like that gets passed down to the depth. But John took an interest and he helped me out. Um, to be fair, mate, kept me kept me in a job. Um, because I, I, I'll admit, I admitted it, because I always admit when I'm a dick. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah. Had a word with me, same as Jonesy did, um, and Bratter. Um, they used to say, Mark, you're a good officer, but you're going to fuck it up by your temper and all this. And, but they knew it, I couldn't help it because I was struggling mentally. Um, uh, yeah, Circo paid for therapy for me. I had a good therapist, eight, eight sessions, did cognitive therapy. Give me tools how to deal with it. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Back in them days, 
they cared about the staff, they cared about mental health, they, because it was a big, it was like when I was in the army, it was a big thing, oh, you, you just get on with it, go and have a pint and you'll be right. But the prison service changed, well, at Dubgate it changed, I don't know, I can't quote about anyone else because uh, obviously I didn't work anywhere else. But we had management there who just cared about the staff, cared about the mental health um, and the us. Once uh, them governors were gone, and the new ones took over. It was a case of back to normal. Now we we got to hide everything. We don't want our figures looking bad. Where actually you probably look better on your figures because it's changed. The world's changed, and it's uh, it's good to help people with mental health rather than let them suffer. Or like get rid of them, get rid of them. Don't help them. Get rid of them. Yeah. Well, I was lucky because I I I was close to retirement anyway. But it's people that have got years and years left to work and they can't because you don't give a shit about the mental health. Um, so you need to bloody sort it out, man. Anyway, so I'm on house lot three. I'm being a bit of a dick. I even... Joe Cooper, if you're listening, you'll remember this. I even said to Joe Cooper, get in the car park after work and we'll see what's going on. Um, that got thrown at me for years and years after. And luckily, Joe... Joe understood I was a bit fucking nuts and he, he understood that. And we laugh about it all the time because I just had it in my head. You know, it was uh, it was taking piss. Well, it wasn't, but it was just my head. So if you're listening, Joe, even though I've said it a million times, I'm sorry. Um, and just remember, let it go, let it go. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and me and Joe still got on great, and it's, yeah, um, I can't say too much, Joe, I don't want to get in shit because you're a manager now and all that. <laughs> um, and I still got with a lot of people, there's some good managers, good ADs, assistant directors, sorry, um, in that prison that I'd, I'd have run through a brick wall for, through. Um, you probably know who it is without me saying it, but yeah. Um, brilliant, brilliant ADs, brilliant staff, 90% of them. Um, as I mentioned before, plenty of glass backs who big it up and then when it kicks off, they, they're nowhere to be seen. Uh, and it's usually the big massive ones who strut about with the muscles out and shit. Um, so yeah, not all of them because some of them are like, even I'm scared of them. And one, we had one lad, I can't remember his name now. Um, he, he worked in the gym, and if he went in with a shield, you could hear it in the bubble outside if you weren't involved. He used to whip people that hard with it. Um, even when he went on um, training with the Nationals, he used to call him the shield, because he was fucking crazy. Um, so we knew... It was a big issue if he got called in. So yeah, um, but yeah, they're, they're, they've all gone as well now. Um, not to say that the gym staff are not good now. Well, some of them, in my opinion, are. And one of them always says I'm from Rochdale. Uh, go Rochdale, my ass. <laughs> so yeah, um, some yeah. Good gym staff still. Um, well, there's lots of good staff everywhere, mate. 
healthcare staff. The right wing staff are still on the ball. Um, well, they've got to be on that wing, to be fair. Um, and a few of the good ones have come off there now and gone to other places because I did five years on there and, and it's too much. It's that intense on that night wing with the detoxes, the first nighters and all that. It's just so busy. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad some of them have come off because you, you just need a break. Um, I didn't realise I needed a break till I was <laughs> given a break. But I was giving the break in a good deal because um, I got, well, I got into reception for the so-called swap. So we could, one from my wing, yeah, blah, blah, I've said it before. I uh, ended up going to the Caribbean. Um, everyone will be yawning now, and knows me. Um, I ended up going to work in a prison in the Caribbean. Um, I have mentioned this before, but I'll go more into it now. Um, it was absolutely fantastic. Again, we had a proper good team. We had two from each of the circle uh, contracts. Oh, jails, I hate saying contracts. The circle jails. Um, none, of, none of us knew each other. Uh, we was all strangers when we met. Um, my God, what a good team we had. We, had, um, we all got on. There was uh, six, oh God, was it six females and six males? Um, was it six or seven? I can't remember now. Um, and we all got on like we just clicked straight away. Um, and by the time we left, we were like we'd worked on a wing together for years. It was ace. Now this prison was, um, oh my God, it was an eye opener. I'm telling you, it was. It was in shit state. I mean, prisoners in this country complain about the prisons and stuff like that. You want to serve over there for two months or a year, you'll see for change your mind then. But we had a good team. We had to work with the um, officers that were already there who were so bent, it was unbelievable. Um, but in their, some of them support, they lived on the island, so these come these prisoners who, who were off the island knew the family, so you know it was like it was, well, uh, and the situation over there was like on here. If you catch any bent bastards, they get walked off the prison, either by the police or by security. But over there, even though the governor knows the bank got it, it's got to go through. The go the um, island government, which can take months and months, and they're they're as dodgy as fuck anyway. So when we got there, it was open. They were bringing stuff in, and, and we I actually caught one, um, and well, we call it a bubble over there. It was just it was like a oh god, it was horrible. And I got him in there, and I had him up against the wall about it, and. Um, their equivalent of Oscar Wong coming behind me and I thought, oh God, I'm in the crap now. Um, I got called up to the superintendent of the prison and, and my RAD come with us and uh, I'm thinking, gee, they're going to send me home here. And he actually shook my hand and said, thanks for that, Mark. He said, I've been trying to get rid of him for months and I can't because whoever's above me is not letting it happen. 
so uh yeah and he, oh i swear to god um he, he was bang at it and he was like one of many uh, <laughs> i got um now some of the officers who worked in that jail their officers were so lazy man it's unbelievable um he just used to sit at the end of the wing just playing cards and he never used to prisoners used to do what they want uh, obviously we got there and that we we did what we did uh, just kept an eye on the wing kept it discipline on the wing dealt with anyone who was a knob uh, and then this day it was this uh careful this chubby chubby gentleman uh and prisoners were coming back they'd still come back with the trolleys like they did um like they do in our country but um <coughs> excuse me the um so i'm stood there and he stood right by the gate um and he just stood there like a big floppy idiot and i'm like because we we couldn't have keys for the the gates so they had to open the gates and they had to lock the cells up you know where uh, bang up um so I'm stood there, and this lad stood there with the food, and he's just stood there like, it looked like he was asleep, to be honest. So I'm like, yeah, mate, you can open the door, you lazy get. Um, and he gave me this look, and I'm like, yeah, what are you looking at me like that for? Just open the gate. So he opens the gate, um, and he, he reported me, told him that I called him a big fat bastard, a lazy bastard, is not I called him lazy, but I didn't call him a lazy fat bastard. Um, and I, I got dragged up again for that. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, again, the superintendent, when I told him the situation, he's like, oh, for God's sake, they're like that all the time. I said, yeah, but not with on my shift. And uh, Big Dave, who was our um, AD, who went with us, like, head in, <laughs> hands in his head. Hands in his head. Hands on his head, like, oh, you know. So... Um, yeah, they didn't have a good... They didn't like us. Actually, I... The prisoners liked us more than the staff because, you know, we took... Um, we was actually doing the job properly, if that's what it like. And then we was actually arranging for the, the prisoners to come out and help around the prison, you know, to tie... Because it had been wrecked by the other case. To tidy it up and that. We had to keep an eye on them, obviously, the dodgy gets... But yeah, it was uh, yeah, the, yeah. Some of the some of the staff were horrendous, man. I'm telling you, they just they didn't give a shit. Just uh, probably making more money out of bringing stuff in for the prisoners. We had two um, two wings. The main wings, what we worked on. Um, oh God, I can't, the green and the blue wing. I think it was yeah. One of them was like all the young fucking idiots and one of them was like the older prisoners and that and um i don't know if i mentioned before but and people probably know this anyway but uh, in the caribbean countries they just cannot deal with gay people they just can't deal with them you know like they they was all in the uh, watching a film and uh, they were all in there watching it and it was dead good and then there was a gay scene with two two men and they almost walked out, they couldn't watch it. it that's how bad it is. It's like, um, 
So that probably way was in the sixties over there. <laughs> um, but the daddy of this wing was gay, but it was all shit scared of him. I mean, we found out later that he was like the, the big man in the drugs world and all that, like the big gang leader. Um, could get people topped off or anything. But he was a uh, proper pro staff. He proper like made sure that all the people on his wing respected the staff. And there was one point where this big idiot come on. Uh, thought it was a big, probably was a big man outside, but anyway. Um, and he just would not like listen. He would not do as he's told. Um, and one day we had to go in to move somebody off the wing. Uh, because they were being idiots, uh, just like our jail, we had to go in and do a plan removal and all that. So, I I was like, I wasn't kitted up, but I was like the gate man, because these wings had like the old-fashioned wing bit in America. You had a section, gate, section, gate, section, so there was about four gates on the wing coming out. So I was like last out, locking the wing, so I get to the middle and this fucking idiot, he stood right behind me. So I turn around and he's like there and I'm like, move. And he's like giving it out, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm not, I said, fucking move. So uh, he stood there and I just threw my baton. That's the only time I've drawn my baton. And I got it right in his, up his, on his nostril. I said, fucking move. I said, I'm going to wrap this around your fucking head. Um, and he looked at me, he probably could see I weren't, weren't going to back down. So he moved anyway. And me and him had uh, a few, let's go tate-a-tates after that. Uh, unfortunately, one of our IDs was walking past the top of the wing. And I thought, oh, I'll put my baton back, I'll get away with this. But no, I got caught. So I had to fill out the dreaded paperwork. Um, that's another reason I don't get my baton out, to be fair. But anyway, so yeah, that's the only record they've got of me uh, drawing my baton. But this... Idiot, he was had little niggles at me then after that for a few days. Um, um, and this gentleman who was in charge of the wing, seen one of him. Um, I don't know what he said to this bloke, but I never got any hassle off him again. So that's it. Like I was saying in the previous one about communication with staff and prisoners, and how you've got to build that professional relationship because sometimes it can help you out I mean that could have ended up bad uh, not for me for him um, but oh you've got to realise well you probably do realise over there they have fucking guns and everything mate it's not like over there I mean I don't know if I mentioned before but two of the prisoners got released and end up didn't even get down the road they ended up getting shot so you know it was a bit dodgy Um but yeah, it was uh, that was one of them. But mostly it was good. It was a good laugh and uh, an experience. I tell you, um, they even had a little gym thing. But it was like <laughs> it was outside, and he had like I mean I think it got better uh, as the longer we went over. When we was there, it was just like they had a massive big tractor tire, um, basically, and a few weights. But that was it. Um, um, he used to play a lot of basketball and that got quite competitive. Um, even it was 
good to watch because they were really good. Uh, we played them at football. Um, uh, that was good. Um, I wasn't allowed to play because I'm a bit competitive when I start. Um, I probably end up getting sent off. Um, but we had, I don't know if I mentioned before about Not Nice. Um, he was playing Big Mad. And we had uh, one of the girls, Emily. She, uh, bloody Emily, the baby factory now. Um, she had, um, she played football. So she's like warming up. So you can imagine these big, um, big uh, Jamaicans and Turks and Caicians or whatever they call. Like they're all like, oh yeah, woman playing football. Oh my God. They soon find out that Emily could play football. I'm telling you. She uh, was all over the place. Proud of you then. Um, oh God, yeah. <laughs> I've got to tell you this one. A lot of the prisoners that managed to get phones, we managed to get a lot off them, but they were giving them back the next day. Oh, Manchester. Um, so, we had this one lad, he, he was all right. He, he no trouble. He, he was in for murdering someone and all that. But And he used to work at the gym. He used to be like, we have gym orderlies over there. That's what he used to do over there. Um, I don't know how he did it, but he started, he sent Emily, um, he found Emily on Facebook and he sent her um, a message with little waves on it and, you know, like thinking she was going to fall for that crap. Of course, she, <coughs> excuse me a minute. So, um, Emily straight away told us. So, um, uh, the AD says, right, we're going to go in on him in the morning. But, we're not going to tell any of the Turks and Caicos staff because obviously they'll probably tip in the wink. So um, we went in the next day and we did. We had we used to have a briefing every morning with their uh, equivalent of their Oscar one to tell us what's going on and all that. So we're all sat there and we knew what we're gonna. Whatever he said he wanted us to do, we knew we was going in on this uh, gentleman. Um, so we all get on the wing and uh, the ADs are saying, right, we're going in on him now. So we went in and searched his cell and we found the phone and we uh, he got nicked uh, for having a phone and sending, you know, harassing staff or whatever they want to call it. Um, locked his door um, and as we walked away, Emily went to the gate and like, Wave to him like he'd done on the uh, Facebook. He's like, see ya. <laughs> uh, it was so funny. Um, he's probably had another folder the next day. So what we were doing, we we were teaching them how to do self-spins. So, oh, it's so funny because obviously they were bringing phones in. So we got we didn't know who they were bringing in. Well, we did eventually, but... So we'd go in and, and because we were stood at the gate and telling them to do it properly, they had to do it properly. Uh, and some of them, you you could tell, and we, we had to like, yeah, you've missed something, mate, get, and lo and behold, there it was. Um, but what a lot, and then the other pads were thrown them out of the window because there was no glass, it was just bars. They were thrown them out of the window. Um, so obviously when we see them outside, we couldn't prove whose he was. So um, 
uh, we, we all come up with this idea as we were doing ourselves, someone would go outside with a bag and it was catching all these phones being thrown out the window. And then we walked through the wing saying, uh, anyone want to claim these? <laughs> Nobody did, by the way, but yeah. Um, so, yeah, they had these, the, the younger ones' wings, it was, that was like, um, more like, it was nuts. We got racially abused by them. We wrote Cracker Boy and all can't get, go home Cracker Boys and all this shit on the walls. Um, but even then, it was like, is that it? Is that all you've got? Um, some of these were horrible people, mate. This one of them, he's actually been transferred to um, Belmarsh. He was that bad. Um, and after we pulled out, like the circle had gone, he uh, actually uh, viciously attacked um, the deputy superintendent. Um, so, yeah. He was on Facebook, all kinds of stuff. He, oh, proper went to, um, he's been moved to Belmarsh now because he's deemed that dangerous. Uh, me and him had a few arguments as well because um, he weren't manipulating me. He, he picked on the wrong officer. Um, yeah, we was nose to nose a few times, but I didn't back down because I weren't scared of him because I'm an idiot mostly. But, you know, this is how these people get to all the prisons. They think... You've got a reputation. Well, reputation's been shit to me. Um, why? I see somebody's on podcasting and I did 32 years. You're fucking bragging about that, mate. 32 years of your life wasted. You weren't very good because you kept getting caught. So there, there must be a, a message there for you, mate. I've done 32 years. I'm straight now. Well, fucking hell, yeah. I've been alive 64 years and I'm straight. So what's the problem? Uh, made a good living, retired early, I'm quite juicy now, living it off. Um, didn't have to rob anyone, didn't have to murder anyone, didn't have to shoot anyone, you know what I mean? So, your reputation means shit to me, mate. Um, the same as other people who are in charge of jails mean shit to me, mate, when you're being a knob. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, interesting. Uh, we had the one where... We had to see Nari moving to Seg. Um, um, we used to take turns, we used to do shifts all around. We do some on green wing, some on blue wing. Then we do a, a nip in Seg, which was not Seg because Seg had got burnt down. It was um, the old female unit. But this, uh, most of the cells are up to date. Well, they don't say up to date. They had a toilet in them and a sink and a um, where before they didn't, um, I don't know how they cope without them, but they must have. Um, and he was like threatening; he was going to shoot us. Now, normally, like in a British jail or in our jail, we'd be like, "Yeah, of course you are, mate. You're doing twenty. You know." <laughs> I mean, I had one uh, in um, Dugate. He was a traveller. Um, and he was another one, and I'm like, you know what, mate, I'm not bothered what you say, what you do, you do as you told. And he's like, I'm going to put a contract on you, £30,000. And I looked him in the eye and said, oh, fucking worth more than that, mate. Um, you know, it, shut up. And that, But funnily enough, I mean, I know I've gone off track a bit. Funnily enough, we got some, I was in healthcare then, 
we had uh, we used to sporadically get travellers who used to park up on our cab the pre the staff car park. So um, after he said that to me, these travellers turned up on the car park. So he's like, I don't know, he found out because some staff talked too loud. Um, and he said, there, I've told you they're outside now, they're going to get you tonight when you go out. I'm like, yeah, okay, mate. I weren't asked. And I went out and I was parked up the top of the car park near where the travellers were. And I walked up and as I walked up, these traveller lads or blokes was stood there in mind. So I'm like, normal, all right, lads. He went, yes, all right. I'm not going to do the accent because I can't. All right, uh, Governor. I hate being called Governor. I hated it. My name's Mark. Call me Mark. I don't need to be called Governor or Boss. Wow. Um, yeah, all right, Governor said, yeah, good, lads. How long are you staying? And they were laughing. And then I got in my car and drove away. And the next day I went, oh, I had a chat with your, uh, your mates outside. They didn't even know him, he's a dick. So it's what I mean about people in our prison, you don't put over there. You have to take it serious because they probably could. Um, so yeah, he uh, we moved him out of, we put him in a cell with nothing in for a bit. Uh, and some staff walked past rattling the buttons on the fence, on the bars. It was like, yeah, yeah, shut up. Actually, when he come out of SEG, Prince he was called, he was all right after that. Um, he was one of them that got shot though after when he got out. Um, he sort of calmed down a bit. Um, he's one that went, would not been there long, I bounced him in his cell with my belly. <laughs> um, yeah, he was, a, he was a, that was for being rude to Emily because they put me on shift, me and Emily on shift together. Um, so me and Emily worked together a lot. Um, she was good as well. She she worked at um, a sex offenders jail, uh, and apparently she was she used to give them a bit of shit as well. So <laughs> I'm not saying like <laughs> over the top, but she, you know, being a girl with them, she but she wouldn't have techno shit off nobody, as it proved when she waved to that man who'd been trying to get uh, thinking she'd be. Uh, his friend. <laughs> um, oh, she was quite good looking, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, um, but I did my usual. I got overprotective because it was a, a female and I didn't need to really, but I didn't want my dad there haunting me for not looking after him. <laughs> yeah, as it turned out later on in life, the female staff looked after me. Um, yeah, I'm, so yeah, I was over there for six weeks, plenty of sunbathing. Um, it was, it wasn't, I don't know, it was a strange, um, strange. It was, uh, we was all away from home when it was all over Christmas and that, and uh, God help us, the internet went down, all the young ones were going mad and we just sat watching telly. Um, us older ones, we didn't care. We had one, mem one uh, girl that was over there, Debs, she was like the um, the mummy, um, and we was all having this Caribbean exotic food and this stuff that would burn the hairs at the back of your throat. No, you haven't got hairs at the back of your throat anyway. Um, and she made some English food for us, but oh god, it was beautiful. Uh, we had um, 
I can't even remember what we had. But it was, oh, it was great. She, she cooked it all. And then we had, like, Jeff, Jeff Bo Smith. What an hero, man. We got over there. Um, the cookers weren't working until Jeff got in there and fixed them. Uh, one day, we had um, the water wasn't working. Um, and Jeff disappeared. Uh, come back, bit to shit. He had midgy bites from top from his head to his feet, but uh, he fixed it. Um, what else did he do? Oh, he did loads of stuff. Set up the um, set up the TV so we could watch um, films on it. You know, from our phones and stuff like that. Genius. Um, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> he could not. He could not get a suntan. We was over there six weeks. We was all dead brown, everything. Jeff, white as a feather. <laughs> he could not get a suntan. Um, so one day he says to me, well, I'm not, wearing, I'm not wearing cream today. I mean, by God, you have to wear cream. I'm not wearing cream today. I need to get a suntan. I'm like, Jeff, no, don't. And he's like, no. So I'm like, okay. I'm not going to tie him down. I'm not going to hold him down and put it on him. Um, my God, he couldn't work. He couldn't work the next day. He was that red. He couldn't move. He was fucking like, ah. Um, yeah, so uh, he didn't even get a tan. Then he just got red. <laughs> Mad. Um, we was in the same room, right? Um, I was on the top bunk. Jeff was on the bottom bunk. Now, on the top bunk, was right underneath the big, big massive fan, um, and it was that art we had to have the panel. The number of times I climbed up, I had pissed up and smashed my head on that fucking fan. I don't know, I, I didn't knock myself out. Um, used to go up like duck down, but you know when you piss, you just like oh, bang. Um, now, people with it who don't like this stuff need to put your finger in your nose. I was above Jeff on the top bunk and um, <laughs> I took, I used to take my false teeth out at night, I still do, well I haven't got any at the minute, um, but because I was on the top bunk I thought oh I'll put them under my pillow. <sighs> the number of times Jeff woke up in the morning he's like Mark your teeth are down here, my teeth used to fall out and land on his fucking bed. <laughs> Oh, God, so that's my phone, bloody everything ended up on his bed. I just, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was good. Uh, luckily, we both snored, so we couldn't hear each other snoring, so that was good. Uh, um, wow, wow. I, when I got to Turks and Caicos, I didn't, I'd stopped drinking. Uh, and... I'd stopped drinking um, and it lasted two days and before I started drinking again because it was just nothing else to do. Well, there was, but nothing else to do really on the island because it was it was all mashed up because of the hurricanes. I mean, it got better later. Later, people went. They didn't stay in one room like one house like we did. There were 16 of, 16 of us. It was eight, eight men, eight women. Um, no, it was 14. Ugh, it doesn't matter, does it? Uh, we was in the old YO. Um, we all had to share rooms. Um, 
two in each room. Uh, some of the girls had three in their rooms. Uh, but the ADs had their own bloody room. <laughs> um, after that, they stayed in a bloody hotel. So uh, they didn't rough it. We roughed it. Uh, <laughs> um, I forgot where I'm up to now. Anyway, so yeah, it was good. Uh, we had Debs doing the cooking. I mean, one time uh, when the internet went down, uh, the electric went off all over the island. There was numerous crashes because people drove round there pissed up. There was no... Because um, the coppers were bent, so they didn't bother. Um, we we had a van, a minibus, um, like the 18 van. And we used to like hang on the sides of it travelling around the island and stuff like that and it was brilliant um, that was another thing Jeff did we got flat tyres and Jeff started oh I've got a brilliant anyway there was some bad storms out at sea so this little island we, the only supplies they got food and water and all that come on ships from the, the bigger islands so this time no supplies come through oh it was a it was a nightmare there was no bread, no water, nothing. Um, we were driving around the island, trying everywhere to get bread and stuff. It was horrible. Um, it's, that lasted two days. Two days, we had nothing. I mean, luckily, we had a bit of a supply in our freezer. Um, but we were running out of stuff. I never ran out of coffee, though, because it took me on. Um, yeah, it was, that's how bad it was, how primitive it was. Uh, another time, the internet went down for two days. Um, some of the youngins couldn't deal with that I'm telling you they, they were going crazy um, no internet oh my god um, we, we used to have these um, stray dogs that we adopted and um, oh god yeah you used to get donkeys just like strolling around so um, <laughs> These dogs we we got uh, started on the other tranches, tranche one and tranche two got them and then we adopted them as well. And they used to chase the donkeys off. Um, oh, it was a nightmare. They used to be, like, I'm going to say, they used to be shagging on it. In the, oh, God. Um, oh, the noise. And then in the end, the donkeys were chasing the dogs. It was mad. Um, oh, yeah, Jeff. Yeah. These donkeys, right? Eoring, or whatever you call it, dead loud in the mornings, and he used to drive me fucking nuts. So what did Jeff do? Got his alarm to the eoring. So when his alarm went off to get his up, he was bleeding eoring. Oh, the bastard. <laughs> so, the, yeah, these fucking donkeys, man. And there was blokes walking, you know, riding horses on the island dressed like cowboys and all that. It was mad. Um, God, what a mad island that was. It was proper and everywhere was wrecked. So it was only a few bars we could go in. Um, even less after a certain person had been before us and got us banned. But uh, well, I won't mention no names. Um, but yeah, so a lot of the time we didn't even bother. We just got loads of beer in, lit a fire. And just all I had a sat around the fire all night getting proper drunk. I mean, uh, they had this brandy. Oh Jesus! Um, just remember, I'd stopped drinking for a few like a year and odd before I went. So 
So they had this pudding, it was so nice. I mean, like, I had the coconut brandy, so it, it was like that hooch when it first came out over there where you couldn't taste the alcohol, you could just taste the fruit. Um, so some of the people loved it. I mean, Andy Winfield went after me and he fucking loved it. I think he brought some home with him. But um, I uh, just like keeping up with everyone, so I'm like, yeah, I get it. And I'm knocking this fucking brandy back, Jesus. Um, and apparently, when I stood up, I just went over. Um, everyone was quite shocked because apparently I didn't even spill any, but I don't know. I was, um, and all I kept saying was, this is what people told me after, I don't remember it. I'm going to be sick, I'm going to be sick. Um, I don't think I was sick, but that's all I kept saying. Um, I got put in bed and, uh, yeah and just got taken the piss out of for the rest of six weeks. Um, but yeah, that, that's how we did, really. Oh, God, we had a brilliant time. Um, and we had um, three, Scotch, three Scottish people there with us. Um, Joe, who's sadly passed away now. Uh, David and Anne-Marie. No, not Anne-Marie, not Anne-Marie. Marie. Uh, Anne-Marie was the boss. Um, New Year's Eve, oh, we had a brilliant time. They were teaching us how to do Scottish dances and, and all that, uh, all singing the Scottish National Anthem, which gives me the shivers every time I, I listen to it. Brilliant. Wish our National Anthem was that good. Um, yeah, proper, proper um, good night. We had the Scottish flag up and everything. It was proper good. We had Christmas Day off. Um, oh, God. One of the um, Oscar ones, I don't know what they call them over there, he, he turns up with his big bucket of punch, Caribbean punch. Oh, God, we got bladdered. Um, and he, we couldn't get rid of him, though. We was like, he, we, we, was, we had things arranged, you know, being Christmas Day and all that. Oh, we couldn't get rid of him. We got his life story, he was in tears. He, oh, God. Um, Sadly, he, he passed away not long, well, a couple of years after we went there. But, yeah, Christmas Day, uh, quite um, uh, weird. Um, so it's boiling up. It's Christmas trees up with Christmas lights. So, un so surreal. But they start their celebration like dead early on Christmas Day. And it's like proper Caribbean stuff, you know, the bands and all... Oh, patrolling and singing and all that and in the church it was it was uh, fascinating so uh, we'd arranged it, well not we it, Christmas dinner was arranged uh, but it was in the evening so we went and uh, oh god what a nightmare we was there for hours just waiting for the food but it's because everything over there is made fresh so you have to wait but we we couldn't get our head we, we told them we were coming at a certain time but no, it's like um, like people used to say about Spain, it's like manana and all that. So, yeah, it was uh, nice. It was a good Christmas dinner, but it took bleeding hours. Um, a couple of days before that, the um, superintendent, oh, God, yeah, he invited us to his house because um, we were there at Christmas. So we had a beautiful house, man. It was just uh, I'd have never left that job if I was him. It was just like dead out, right on the beach, everything beautiful. Uh, fed us. Um, 
loads of alcohol. Um, I can say it now, but one of our uh, team robbed this proper posh bottle of gin. Uh, say no more about that, Jack. Um, so uh, we had a good night and it was, it was all like a bit merry. Um, so somebody, I don't know who it was, suggested we all go skinny dipping now i can't swim so i'm not being a chicken i'm not being a um a party people but i didn't do it but all the, the fucking women they just got like stripped off now don't forget we're at the superintendent's house it's not like we're at our place where we can um and i'm like oh bollocks now i've done some stupid embarrassing things which i've told you about but this was like well um, and then I'm sat there, like obviously laughing and, and getting involved. Like, oh. And then <laughs> I'm sat in this low chair, and the next thing, this big, this uh, certain lady was sat on my head, naked. God, get off me! Um, anyway, they all ran in the scene, and all everything. The lads were doing it as well, not just the girls. And they all come out and. I hear this noise and all the superintendent stood there like shit. Was he good if any was pissing himself up in it like he didn't care. He said I'm he said to me, Ma, I'm just glad you're all enjoying yourself. Um I hope he didn't check his gin. Jack. Um anyway, so yeah, that was good. Um so yeah. And uh, every night when we was out we got sick of waving. Every time someone drove past or the police would be like, Beep. In the end, we just sat there with our hand up and carried on. It was mad, uh, but yeah, it was a really good. It was a good experience to learn about other jails and how horrendous some jails are. I mean, one of them, like the, the end of someone will correct me if I've got the wrong colour there. The end of Blue Wing was like um, the SIU's at our place. They, they worked, but it, there was no room in said because it was only like I only had six cells or something. So they used to put me in this end bit which was, had one gate on it, separate from the rest. Oh, they were right dickheads. Uh, this is where that lad who went to Belmarsh was. Um, and we had a big giant one called Elvis. He was, he was massive. Uh, but he was all right. We got on all right with him. It was his son with Joey that kept causing all trouble. Um, he was big. I mean, I, mean, I think I mentioned it before where he, he, I took him to court and he's little... His little mum gave him a right bollock and he stood there with his head down. Yes, mum, no mum. Um, <coughs> um, we had to get him in his cell in one day because he refused to lock up. But yeah, so it was fucking mad. It was a crazy place. Um, and the mosquitoes, man, unbelievable. Uh, you, had to, you had to put your, your suntan cream on it morning before you went and, and cover that with mosquito spray. Oh God, um, you don't forget your mosquito spray, Jesus, you, well, um, but yeah, it was good, and um, like I say, Circo paid for all the food, so we used to go to one of the few places what was good at the time, I mean, other people told me later on it improved and there was other places, it was the cruise centre on the island where all the cruise ships come, and it was like a different world, it was like it was in a five-star hotel, you know, in a, in a the compound, uh, we used to go there, oh God, fantastic meal, fantastic food. 
and we got so much stuff we had that when we was in there it was like oh wow proper posh food you know what i mean um and they pay for one drink so in this thing you used to get the cup you used to sell you the cup or a mixer they used to call it uh beer you pay for that as your first drink but then it was three refills so circle paid for the first drink and then we just kept getting it filled up oh my it was fucking ace um so yeah that was the turks when we uh there's loads of more stories i could tell you but the day before we resolved you to fly back it was a lightning strike at the airport and the fucking airport was on fire now it's only a little island so obviously there's only one little airport so we're like shit uh we're not we're not going to be able to go home which i wouldn't ask to be fair because we're on a grand a week um but the others won't be able to get in you know our, it was taking us off so we was like fuck uh, and we kept getting updates like oh they, they've started the fires out and everything but because it's a little island they need to fly people over for the to fix the alarm the electrics and the um air air traffic control tower and all i'm like gee we're not going home but anyway it was about um we we, we were told to pack ready so we was all packed up um oh crap my legs are going up. we was all packed up and um we got a call the day we was going to leave say come to the airport because uh, we did manage to buy you know these little old sessioners i think they call these little planes uh, they managed to get hold of some of them to fly people out uh, but they could only let like 10 at a time on some stuff like that obviously there was civvies that were flying out as well and, and it was like so we, we got there and um you just had to join the queue so uh, we're in the queue and slowly but surely people these little planes are soon you know people are going um, and then got to us and he started calling out the names to get on the plane so i was at that last um so they're calling the names out and the uh about three in front of me they stopped I'm like that's it I have to wait for the next one so no no it was the one in front of me i was like the first of the people who couldn't get on so uh my bollocks because we had a schedule we had to get to the other airport to get the plane to uh miami so um i'm like bollocks i'm gonna i'm on my own i thought so um stood there it is what it is um i could just spend more time in the sun which was stupid because i was inside but anyway um and then everyone went and i'm stood there and then they went oh uh mark davis can come to the plane but you need to hurry up so i'm like shit so i'm legging it um run up start running up the stairs uh my belt snapped in it and my trousers started falling down um so i'm like so i'm bending down like that running with pulling my trousers up run up the steps stood up smashed my head on the door it was like well I got on a plane and every fuck was tech laughing, you know, I'm like, oh. and as I'm walking, oh, like, days, my pants started falling, it was a fucking nightmare. Um, so, anyway, I got on that plane and looked, oh, fucking what a nightmare. 
you're actually sat there. There's no door separating the cat, the the pilot. So you could see everything, and you could see her struggling with all this wind. And I'm like, Jesus. Anyway, we got to uh, the next airport, um, and we had to rush. We had to run from one to the other to because the plane from Miami was going. Um, so we're rushing through. Uh, I get to the airport to the uh, check-in and they're like, sorry, uh, you can't go. I'm like, what do you mean I can't go? You haven't got an e ESA, e ESA. Well, Circle's supposed to organise that, but I think because I was like a last-minute addition to go, they forgot me. So well, what, do you, what, what do I need to do? I can't fucking stay here. I've got connections and that. Oh, you need to... Um, you need to ring them up and get an e uh, pay $10 or something, wasn't get an ESO. So I'm like, right, okay. Um, where can I ring him from? So they took me upstairs to security and they had to ring this um, America to get a, an ESO because I was going into Miami. Because when we came, we didn't land in Miami, we went to Antigua. It was a direct flight from uh, Gatwick to Turks. So, um, but this time we have to go through America, so you have to have these ESA. I think it's an ESA. ISA or something like that. No, ISA is your savings, isn't it? So, yeah, we got one. Uh, I got one in the end. It uh, came through uh, on my phone. But I'd missed my flight. So I'm like, shit. So I'm stood there and I'm saying, well, I need to get on the next flight. Well, it'll cost $150. I'm saying, well, in my arse, it'll cost $150. And I'm stood there arguing with this bloke. And I turned around and luckily, Big Dave and a couple of others, they'd missed the flight as well. You know, Big Dave had the company credit card. So I'm like, Dave, Dave. So we paid for it luckily. So I was lucky there. Uh, and so I ended up getting out. Um, of course, we got to Miami late and we missed that plane. So um, luckily, I think I was... Yeah, it was Jeff and Leanne, and Big Dave. Now, Big Dave, he was called Big Dave because he was like a big lad, like dead tall. So on the first flight, he booked extra leg room and all that, but on the second flight, he didn't have any, so he had to like bend himself into this this uh, plane. So we weren't happy. We were set all, sep all over the plane separate, so, you know, it, it was a bit of a... But at least we got home, and luckily... The three of us were sharing the car anyway to get home, so in a way, it was a bit lucky that we all ended up together. But yeah, that was a bit of an adventure as well. Oh, we landed back in Gatwick, uh, right in the middle of Beast and the East. So we've been in temperatures of 28 to 32 for six weeks, seven weeks nearly. And we're coming home to this beast from the bloody heat. keep freezing. Um, them two were, I'll drive, no, I'll drive. I'm like, listen, I'm getting in the back and going to sleep. Don't care who drives, to be fair. Um, so they decided, they, they, they agreed to share it anyway. So driving along, I just flaked out of the back, I'm not arsed. Um, um, we had our first McDonald's in six weeks. Oh my God, that was so nice. And on the uh, halfway home, uh, yes, quick McDonald's on the way home. Uh, and we, yeah, we dropped each other off. I was last out, so I drove the last bit. Um, I had to take the car back to Enterprise in Chesterfield the next day. Um, oh, gosh, yeah. 
knock back a little bit. So, yeah, we landed in Beeston in the east, fucking freezing, gets home, my eating's broke down in my flat, so I was freezing again. Uh, luckily, I'd bought, a, I'd bought a fan eater, but one of them does that as well, so I had a bit of heat. So the the next morning, I'm like, I'll take the car back now. So obviously, I couldn't drive, I had to drive the car. I mean, it was only like a mile away, so it was like super fit PCO, but it kind of been for six um, Oh my God, it was snowing, it was fucking freezing. My nose was like a beacon when I got home. It was that cold, double cold for me, I suppose, because I've been used to that heat. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, a little bit about the Turks and Caicos. Um, my colleagues I used to work with will probably be fast asleep now because they've heard all these stories, but people who haven't, you have now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, back to work. And this time, I thought I'd be going back to uh, Mike Wing when, in fact, I had a letter on my door saying I was in reception permanently. But, tell you, mate, brilliant. I loved it. Once I'd got... Uh, it's like you learn it, a completely different job. And I was one of them that thought reception staff were lazy buggers, but um, I soon found out they weren't. So, yeah, we had a good team, apart from one person who was just... You know, one of them, uh, if you've... £100, he probably won £200, you know what I mean, one of them. Uh, I'm not going to diss him too much because I got on really well. His missus is a good officer and me and her got on really well, so even she used to tell him to shut up sometimes. But, um, yeah, but it was... Uh, no, I'm not going to say no more. Out of respect for his missus. Um so yeah, so anyone who wanted that juice ain't getting it, because uh, I respect his wife too much. Um, so yeah, anyway. Uh, so yeah, I'm in reception, good team, um, working with a lot of the people I thought were lazy and found out they weren't. We had uh, Dave Jones, what a star man, I was, I was on the same team as him, we did weekends and that together. Jonesy was always, always early. He used to be stood outside the gate, the door waiting for it to open in the morning. So when we turned up at six o'clock, everything was done. All the paperwork was laid out, everything was done because Jonesy had come in, got it all done and even gone and got the prisoners down. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, Borada Jonesy. <laughs> um, yeah, it was brilliant. And uh, we had, yeah, it was good. Kirk. Um, I'm going to forget some names now, so please forgive me. Andy, again, I worked with Andy again, Andy was there. Um, oh, God. Yeah, and uh, uh, Jace. Oh, God, I can't remember half of them now. I'm getting old, I'm getting old. Um, and me, Jonesy and Kirk, we was on the, the weekend, I was on the weekends together. Um, when it was proper like reception weekends where we did lots of prop for the prisoners um, we used to get coats in on a Saturday so we, we did as much as we could up to dinner time and then after dinner is when the coats come in um, and it was all paper then it was all on the green so no pissing about with computers um, but yeah it was good Jonesy always had everything sorted me and Kirk were like Fellow Manx, well, he's from Salford, so 
Um, we used to proper add you sometimes. Uh, he used to wind me up and I used to bite, basically, that was it. Um, God, who else was it? Karen? Uh, I'll keep saying random names, they'll keep coming back to me. But yeah, it was good and um, I, t I learned a lot there. Um, I ended up back in reception a few years later, but um, we'll talk about that another time. So yeah, I worked in reception for a while um, and it was when we didn't have all this technology they have now where we had to uh, strip search prisoners coming in and we used to do every prison that come in from court. Um, God, we found loads of stuff. Loads of stuff, because a lot of prisoners come in, and a lot, I don't know if it was always a private prison or um, they didn't think we'd search him, but we did. Just bear with me, please. Cut. I'm sorry, I've just got to tell you this about the Turks in Caicos. We, uh, me and Jack, a lad called Jack, he was from Donny, um, we, we was... Um, given a job to go and like search the kitchens now when i say kitchens it was oh my god it's it was in this country they got shut down anyway so we're going through we're searching the kitchen and we uh lifted the freezer up the freezer lid and it was like oh my god it was a red it was like full pig's heads in there and cows fucking asses i don't know what they were and it looked like it was packed so um, me and Jack looked at each other and said, we're going to have to lift one of them up, aren't we? So we lifted this, fuck it, it was packed with contraband, bottles of vodka, um, well, God, it was packed full of stuff, this freezer. Um, and we went into the main kit, the main shithole where it was, where they made the food. Um, and we called like the, the person in charge of kitchens in and all these prisoners were like you could tell the like shit we've been caught uh and i think he knew about it because it was uh but yeah we stood there his pig's head in me hand and he's like what packed it was packed um full of stuff uh and he tried to hide it under the pig's heads and all that was like oh, horrendous um the food was I wouldn't have ate it, and I'm a pig. Uh, apart from the uh, oh, them dumplings, man, Jesus. Um, I think that's what they're called. Oh, they were fucking beautiful. Um, we used to be, we used to get them. Uh, oh, what were they called? Please, somebody tell me what they were called. Uh, no, I can't remember. They were beautiful. Never been able to find them in this country, but oh God. What were they called? I don't know. Hopefully someone listened to this will message me and tell me what they were called. Um, oh, they were beautiful. Uh, yeah, but oh, some of that food, man, horrendous. Anyway, so yeah, I'm in reception. We used to have to do just strip searches and we did everyone. So we used to catch loads. Uh, not as much as we do now because they've got them big scanner things like the airport now. Um, and I don't know, people can't get stuff in through reception um, because they used to use like plastic phones up their asses that, which we couldn't detect on the bottom chair because only uh, but with this you can see it, it's weird you can see right through literally right through 
Uh, and you can't even deny it because it's there, we can see it. So yeah, we're catching, we catch loads now, but in them days we, we still did, but the car, I've probably mentioned it before, how they used to fight for stuff, it's like, you, you can't mate, just hand it over, why are you fighting us? Um, but yeah, we had some big fights in there as well. Um, and some prisoners in tears because they'd actually, been, families had been threatened to bring stuff in, getting some got arrested on purpose, I've probably mentioned this. But now, they're finally admitting that, yeah, yeah, most of the stuff, I'll say it again, and it's my opinion, most of the stuff comes in prison through bent bastards who bring it in. Um, it's shown that during COVID because we weren't getting any visits, yet the drugs problem got a little bit worse during COVID, so there's only one way it was coming in, isn't it, really? Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll go into it next time. Uh, I uh, what happened after the reception, um, and probably a few stories from reception as well. Um, stuff we used to find and the the stuff that uh, prisoners used to try on to get us thinking they could talk us down to let them have stuff horrendous. Not horrendous. It's funny really, but. Uh, because the rules changed every ta every other week. So sometimes people would come in and we were told they can't have this. About and then a few weeks later people coming in and said, Yeah, they can have it. So then the people who think of it to were kicking off because well they've got it. Well I don't at the time mate, I couldn't give it you. Um so yeah, little things like that. It's, it's stupid rules that keep coming in and out. Uh like we used to, um, socks and undies never used to get counted. They used to be allowed 10 items, right? Uh, like a clothes parcel with 10 items in. But socks and undies were counted, weren't counted. So you could have 10, like, trainers, tracksuit bottoms, tops, whatever. Only amount of 10. But you could have, like, 10 pairs of socks and 10 pairs of undies sent in, which didn't count. Uh Later on, we found out that these socks were being sent in, soaked in mamba, because we weren't checking them because we just said, oh, socks and undies, throwing them in the bag. Um, and half a sock were going for like 500 quid on the wing because it was filled with mamba. So, um, you know, ingenious some of the things they'll do to get stuff in. But obviously then... Um, yeah, cause you couldn't smell it. It's not like you could smell it on the stuff as you pulled it out. But it was, uh, yeah, the the um, big security people come down from the Ministry of Justice to tell us about all this. And, uh, yeah, so uh, socks and underneath were out then, um, which caused a bit of bother, really, because obviously they was expecting it. I mean, the lads who... <laughs> weren't involved in the drugs and weren't doing it were the ones that suffered because but that's prison isn't it it's like at school one naughty person you've all got to stay behind haven't you um but yeah it was low i got assaulted due to property coming and stuff like that and uh it was uh you know it caused a lot of trouble um not with everybody i mean some lads were like yeah fair enough and you know, it was always, you know, but you, you always get the idiot, oh, you think they're fucking clever. 
Um, so yeah, we used to have a bit of stuff, a, bit, a lot of aggro over property, believe it or not. But we was always told uh, you don't mess with the um, property, the post, visits, all the food. They're the, they're the big flashpoints in every jail, uh, probably every jail, but um, a few kickoffs the canteen where it was made up wrong and first time I got assaulted was because someone was missing in the, in the canteen, nothing to do with egg. I don't make him up, but yeah, I was part of the system so I got a clock in. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was me, I'll, I'll go through some more stories about the dinner queue and stuff like that. How we used to control the dinner queue and now they don't. So it's, you know, little stupid things that uh, either just people can't be asked or people just are not taught to do it like that. It's, uh, yeah, it was quite... I used to do shifts on the wing when I was at reception and I could not believe how much it changed. I mean, I've mentioned it before, how we, we was taught and we... I was taught by the see experienced staff to always be walking down the wing, and I, I go back on the wings now, and that doesn't happen. Um, I don't know if it's a backup from COVID. A lot of new staff started during COVID, so they were not. They'd never worked the wings when they were the wings, if you know what I mean, where everyone was out, and they got used to only having four or five out at a time or only having uh, one landing out, one side of landing out at a time for exercise and, and then all of a sudden it's everybody's out again and it's I think some of them found it a bit overwhelming. Um I mean, it was a big thing, you know, to be fair. I mean, I, a lot of us were used to it before COVID where it was all like rush, rush, rush and everybody out at the same time on um, association and everyone out in the yard together. Uh, and a lot of the new staff started when it, it was COVID, so restrictions were in 23-hour lock-up at first and stuff like that. So um, so it's not... Um, yeah, it is a criticism because we've been out of COVID a long time. And I'm sure they weren't taught in, on the ITC that that's how we worked. Um, so, yeah, I think a few people... I mean, it wasn't just new staff later on, it was the older staff who should have known better in my opinion. Um, a lot of prisoners would be like, what are you doing Matt? I said, I'm doing my job. Oh, we haven't done that for ages. said, well, I'm doing it today. Because, you know, I want to go home tonight. I don't want to be involved with paperwork and shit all night. So we'll do it a bit. A bit yeah, I'll tell you this one. I went on the, we were still on a few COVID restrictions, but well, I'd been away from the wings, some of them were lifted, but I didn't know this. Nobody told me, which goes back to my last one on communication. So this lad comes out, and I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? I'm going for a shower. I fucking know you're not. We've done this. I get behind your door. So he starts kicking off with me. I can't get behind your fucking door. Um, and then it was a prisoner said, Matt, we don't do that anymore. We're allowed out. I'm like, oh, fuck. But... One thing with me, and a lot of prisoners will tell, well, won't tell you, but if I'd lay down the law, but if I was wrong, I'd be the first one to hold my hand up and say, sorry, mate. So I went back to this lad, and I think he thought I was going to go in his cell and fucking have a rumble, but 
I opened the door and he stood up like that. I went, listen, mate, I do apologise. I didn't know the rules had changed. I said, so I'm sorry. So, you know, I I, I apologised to him. Straight away, I went, oh, thanks, God. No one's ever done that before. I said, well, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong, mate. And that's uh, just how it is. Um, I didn't, nobody told me that the rules had changed a little bit and they'd relaxed. I still thought it was the same, so I do apologise. And uh, I just said thank you, shook his hand and we got on with it. Um, but I was saying before, that's how you get respect is earned both ways. And I apologise. Some of them won't apologise. They'll be like, yeah, well, and, you know, these I've got the keys, I'm in charge, bollocks. Um, so, yeah, it's what you do. I mean, I'll go back a few years when it first happened to me. Um, we had this lad called Scraps. He came on the wing. Uh, he was a bit, he'd been bothered. He kicked off a lot. Uh, but he'd come on to um, our wing. Um, and he came out. At that time, you couldn't go on the wing with your dressing gown on. So he walks out of his cell. It's like seven o'clock in the morning with his dressing gown on. So straight away, I'm on him. Get behind you, get that fucking red barley. And he's like, no. And, but I, I was fairly new at the time, so I didn't know this. Um, and I said, get behind you. And we, we had a bit of um, an, a barney. Um, and he went behind his door and he started putting his fucking beans in his sock. And I said, what you do? He said, you're going to get this on your head. So I'm like, fucking hammer. So I locked his door and I went off to the manager because we had to tell the manager we had a bit. And she went, Mark, it's seven o'clock. I said, well, I know, but he's in his... They're allowed to come out of the cells in the dressing gown up to half past seven. I'm like, oh, bollocks. So, again, I went to his cell and I was unlocking the door and he stood up with his fucking tin of beans in his sock. I'm like, mate, calm down. I said, I've come to apologise I didn't know about the R7 rule. And he, he looked at me and went, oh, okay. And you know what? Me and Scraps, today, the day I left, we got on like an house on fire because he said, uh, I'll quote, a screw's never apologised to him. I said, well, I was wrong, so I'm apologising. I'm a man. Well, sorry. A oh, sorry. You know, I own up to my mistakes. Anyway, I've only got four minutes left and this was going to be a quick one. So I will wish Bear you farewell and thank you for listening. And if no one's listening, it's fine because I've got it off my chest. Um, thank you very much and good night. And please, anyone working, please stay safe. Thank you and good night.